If our scripture readings sound a little modern, uh, we typically use the NRSV. That's what's in front of our pews, or I don't know if they're still in there, but that's the traditional one. That's one we use in seminary. But somebody who actually taught at my seminary for a couple weeks was Eugene Peterson, and he translated the Bible. He's a, he, he spoke Hebrew and Greek. He was a linguist and was going to just be a professor, ended up becoming a pastor, and he translated the Bible into a modern contemporary language, just so that it would sound a little more fluid. So uh, when we hear this reading, you might even remember uh, reference to a, another one, but this is the exact same thing. So it comes from uh, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1. The, the heading is a simple guide for behavior. Jesus is teaching his disciples. He says, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit does have a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see the smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on our own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you. When your own face is, di- is distorted by contempt. It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again. Playing a holier than thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe the ugly sneer off your own face. And you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord and it can be trusted. Well, I drove, through, I drove through the United States once from California to Massachusetts. Have you ever done that trip before? If you do this trip, make sure you go with somebody you love. Make sure they like the same music because it's a long trip. I went with a friend and we just finished a Coast Guard training in Petaluma, California, and we were heading back to our base in Boston. We drove through all kinds of states, green ones, flat ones, rocky ones, and ones that were all corn. They were just all corn for the whole way through. I I thought I was in one of those games where you just sit there and the background changes. And in some places, they were happy to see a couple Yankees, New Englanders. It's like we stand out like a sore thumb. Some people weren't happy to see us, surprisingly. I didn't drive through all the 50 states, but I got the idea. Each one is different, some more than others. I have been to more than 50 states, though, in this country firsthand. I've visited them. I've experienced them. You may have heard that there's just 50 states in the United States. But let me tell you today that there are over 330 million different states in this country. Because the word state has different meanings. There's the first one that comes to mind in this context, the traditional one. A nation or territory considered as an organized political community under one government. Sound familiar? That's us. But today I wanted to talk about these additional states. The other 330 million I mentioned. Have you ever heard the president give the State of the Union address? He's not talking about each individual state of the union. He's talking about the state, the condition of the union. How's it doing? 
The word state here refers to that particular condition that someone or something is in at a specific time. Today we inhabit these 50 states, but while there may be restrictions on what state my physical body can be in, there is no governor prohibiting me from going through many mental states. And that is why I think that every human being represents a unique state within these 50 states that we inhabit. When we talk about states, we aren't just talking about the physical state of something. These times have put me in more states than just Connecticut. I have had a myriad of mental states through this pandemic, and I have observed the same for just about everybody else. Deliveries with Amazon and mail could be tricky these days. You'll order something and now you're just happy. You get it, right? Before it used to be one day, Amazon, I remember I would just need a stapler and I would think, oh, should I go to CVS? You know what? I'll just order it. It'll be here in a day. You know, now it takes three or four days, but God knows I need some practice and patience. But nothing is worse than ordering something on a big box. Maybe you have to put something together. You get that box, and seeing the state that the box is in, the condition that it's in, they'll let you, that'll tell you right away if this project is going to be fun. You'll order a bench or something, and you could tell the messy tape around the sides, parts hanging out. This has been used before. It isn't new. You know the condition. The state of the box isn't good. And this is where people start to pray to Jesus. And I hope the pieces are all there. The President, Congress, and the Supreme Court, they govern the United States. And we have a lot of opinions these days on that subject. We have channels dedicated to the subject. It's all I hear for good reason these days. The symptoms of disunity are abound. They're everywhere. One time I lost my glasses. Bob was saying that this happened to him too. One time I lost my glasses, I started panicking. I had no time for anyone. I was in a rush. I was in a bad state of mind. I always think, you know, my wife must have took There's no way I lost them. You know, my wife probably took them. My kids maybe moved them. Because there's no way that when I'm looking for them, this has never happened to me. I'm just, it's a hypothetical. But I'll be looking for them, and I'll look all over the house. And then that last spot I look, it just hits me. Because there's no way that these are on top of my head. More, than, more often than not, my keys are right where I put them, and my glasses are right where I left them. But I never say sorry for the state that I was just in. Nobody, nobody knew that was why. In the search for the solution to why there's so much disunity in the United States, I thought maybe it's time. I have not heard anybody with this idea yet. I've heard pastors, priests, politicians, everybody tell me what I should be doing in this time. But I haven't heard anybody go like this. What, what does Jesus say? <laughs> what is Jesus saying? How should we handle this moment? What would Jesus, did he say anything about these United States? Oh, I know that 
Jesus, I know he had an opinion about taxes. When they said, should we pay taxes? He said, give me a coin. And he said, who's on this coin? George Washington? Caesar? All right, give to Caesar, give to Washington what's his. That was a good answer, right? (laughs) And I know what he did with the temple taxes. He said, Peter, go pay the man. Go pay. We got to obey our authorities. I don't think Jesus was a very political guy the way we would have liked him to be. Everyone back then in Jesus' time, they wanted a king, a savior, a president who would make Israel great again and build a temple wall. That's literally right there in the book. They're all looking to the heavens in the Bible in the time of Jesus, saying, is God here yet? When is Superman, when is Christopher Reeves going to swoop in and save us from all this? Do you feel like that these days? And every four years we do this. We pray, God, will will you send a savior? And every four years we go through this routine. It's like it's something new. The problem is Jesus didn't come the way that they thought he was going to come. He came from the bottom. Remember he was riding on a donkey? God comes from the bottom. Do you know why? Because you can't become the master of all life until you master all life. What do you think? Jesus, that's what he was doing for 30 years. He wasn't saying, oh, is it time yet? It's time to be the Savior. He was learning how to love his neighbor. Is that easy to do, to love your neighbor? It's hard. That's why it's in the Bible. (laughs) Jesus was no king of a physical state, but they called him a king. They insisted that he have that title. The people of Jesus' time all thought that Jesus was going to be some kind of political savior. But here was Jesus running around town saying, no, no, it's already here. The kingdom of heaven is already here. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is sitting with some of the Pharisees who are confused by what he's saying. It says this, Jesus, grilled by the Pharisees on when the kingdom of God would come, he answered, the kingdom of God doesn't come every four years. It doesn't come by counting the days on the calendar, nor when someone says, look here, or it's over there. And why do you think Jesus says that? Why do you think all these people predicting when heaven will come, even Jesus himself didn't predict it? Many have tried, right? Why didn't he say it? Because he finishes this sentence. He finishes this. He goes, because God's kingdom is already here. It's already among you in Luke chapter 17. Jesus was saying that the kingdom, the state of God, is not an actual place. Like a physical state. It's not like that. When Jesus meets the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, she was telling Jesus that she gets confused by all the stuff she hears. She hears this kind of stuff. So she says to Jesus, Oh, so you're a prophet. Okay. Well, tell me, Jesus... Our ancestors worshipped on the mountain. But you Jews insist 
that Jerusalem is the only place to worship, right? On the news, you got all these people telling you where you have to worship because they think just like the people did back then. That God is president of a physical land or something. They call it Mount Zion or the Temple Mount. That's what this woman's referring to. And I've been to both places and I saw no mailbox for God there. But here's what Jesus tells the woman in response. He says, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. The time is coming, and then there's a dash. Jesus, the time has come. It's now. It's happening right now when what you're called will not matter and where you worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. We have a president, a Congress, a Supreme Court to rule over the United States, but sometimes I laugh at how God likes to give a little shadow of what he's doing in his state. Because the state God is Lord over has three parts too, right? God the Father. Spirit, I call spirit the mother, and Jesus the son. In Genesis, God told humanity to rule over this world, over these states. Does that always work out well? Sometimes there's corruption. Sometimes there's injustice, bad agendas, mismanagement. But there is a kingdom that is coming, but Jesus says it's already here. The kingdom of heaven. The definition of kingdom is a country, state, or territory ruled by a king or queen. Today's teaching is related to this very subject of state and how that state should be run. Jesus has a political solution for us, and he teaches the people of his day that there is no queen, no president, no king, no foreign hero that's going to save the day. And that may sound like disappointing news at first, but Jesus doesn't leave them hanging. He has the answer. If the world has bad news, what does Jesus have? Good news. Let us see who's running the kingdom. This state that Jesus promises will come and already has come if we grasp it. Jesus was teaching the kingdom of God everywhere he went. And what does that translate to today? And let's be honest, these ununited states of America in 2020. Back then, Jesus was teaching people how to run their states, but not these physical states, but these human states of being, these mental states. Do you have a mind? Well, then you have a ruler. And Jesus wasn't coming to overthrow the physical state. He came to overthrow the mental state we often find ourselves in. When we understand this, we will see that his teachings weren't about a kingdom or state that we would go to when we died. Jesus was teaching that you can have this kingdom right now. And the state 
is all yours to have. If Billy Joel can sing, I'm in a New York state of mind, can I sing, I'm in a heavenly blissful state of mind? In today's passage, Jesus tells us exactly how to enter this state. Again, our reading is Matthew chapter 7. It says a guide, a simple guide for behavior. And I'm just going to quickly go through his short little teaching. He says, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. It's the golden rule right there. If you see someone in a bad state, you just sit there and jump on them. Maybe talk about them when they aren't there. Maybe watch and read books confirming our bias. You can do that, but just so you know, it will start a vicious cycle. Do you know why there's two parties in the United States? The real reason? Because one side is sitting there pointing their finger, and another side just gathers around to point the finger at the other side. Both sides are so critical they can't heal their own suffering. Jesus continues, that critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. In the NRSV Bible, it says, and you may have, uh, remember this, it says, if you have a plank in your eye, and it might look like this, don't walk around and say, hey, excuse me, Jeff, you got a speck of dust in your eye. I just wanted to let you know. It's annoying me. Don't mind me. And you might say, Sean, you got, and I would be, no, 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 thank you. I don't need your help. Jesus is making fun of how we act with each other. He says, do you have the nerve to offer your help to somebody when you have not even helped yourself yet? This is a teaching that won't make people like Jesus too much. I hope they didn't kill him when he said this. He must have said things that people didn't like to hear. He must have. The truth can sting, just like a bee sometimes. Can I say something that Jesus said, and if it doesn't sit well, we'll just blame him? We'll just toss it on the, on the altar. All the people screaming and shouting about these political issues, you know, justice, climate control, they want to build walls, censor truth, spread lies. These are people who don't want to acknowledge corruption or cronyism in their own party. They can see the corruption on their neighbor's face, but they can't see the corruption on their side. Do you know what Jesus said the problem was? The passage ends like this. He says it's this whole act. This traveling roadshow mentality all over again. Everybody's acting holier than thou. Pretending. Instead of just living your part. Just do your part. Wipe the ugly steer off your face. Take the plank out of your own eye. And you might be fit to then offer some help to your neighbor. Democrats hate sitting with me and talking politics. And guess who else hates sitting with me and talking politics? Republicans. 
Because Jesus taught me to be a resident of another state. This state. Sean Guerin. And when I talk about politics, I'm representing my state. This little kingdom. The one God called me to be an heir in. Black lives matter. Breonna Taylor's name matters. But because I'm master of this state, I could hear injustice anywhere. I'm compelled to help. Instead of saying, oh, but they did this and that. When I hear that we need to be more fiscally conservative, I can hear that. I can hear that. That's a, we should. When good police officers get lumped in with a few bad ones, I can support our police departments. And they need to hear our support these days. I can hear their issues without saying, oh, but, you know, a few people did this and that. And I do this not because it feels good all the time. I do this because if we get stuck in what Jesus calls this vicious cycle, and it's getting more and more vicious, this cycle of criticism, I can promise you, we won't get, all of us will not get anywhere. <laughs> all the wars we won, all the pilgrim stuff that we have, all the civil rights MLK brought and pioneered, all the stuff we've overcame. The, the progress to give everyone access to education, work, and upward mobility, all of that work, the American dream, the American way, it'll be gone. There's been bigger countries that have lasted a lot longer than ours. And this is how the problem started. But I think that God can work with these American states, if you hear what I'm saying, if we let God work on these American states, our individual selves. Don't let the world, the media, news, politicians run your state of mind. It already has 50 states to run. Can we run our states? Can we? Can we learn that Jesus wants us to stop pointing the finger at other people's behavior and simply ask, you know, take that finger and go like this. How can I improve my own state? From a fearful one to a joyful one. From a frustrated one to a patient one. From a misunderstanding one to an understanding one. In the Bible, the kingdom of heaven is talked about like a banquet. That's why we have communion. And trust me, all we'll do at that table is talk about how wonderful God is and how great the politics of the kingdom of heaven are. But you won't be ashamed that you had to compromise a few things to get behind something. You'll be your own state, your own ruler for Christ. Christ himself has invited us to be heirs. That's what this book actually says. It says that Corolla, Pat, Bob, you're Dorothy, you're princes and princesses. That's what the book says in Revelation. If you don't understand that, we have Bible studies here every week on Zoom with Max so you can reach out to him. But there's a whole lot more power in this book than maybe we thought there was.
May his kingdom come and may that state move into our bodies. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says this. Oh, that you would become ambassadors for the kingdom. Do you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador lives in a building, in a country, in a state where they are not the resident of. They belong to another state. And they come on behalf of that state to represent it. And that's what Christ has called us to be. Heirs and residents, ambassadors of his kingdom. May wherever our feet land be where the kingdom of heaven is coming.